Welcome listeners to the Health Science Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Box. Thank you so much for joining us today for this discussion. The intro music, Daniel Hughes. If you want to hear more, check out the link in the description. My co-host today and every day is the extraordinary Zach Hunter. It's like pot twist, not me. <laughs> <laughs> if it was anyone but, I, that's kind of like a, it's a red flag. I probably need help, something like that. He's also the host of the Fiscal Frisk Fiscal podcast. Frisk. The Fiscal Frisk Fiscal is now Frisk. dedicated to helping you navigate the wide world of finance, not just government policy. There we go. Fiscal Frisk, Fiscal Frisk. is as good as a pumpkin spice latte and a cool fall day. That was us yesterday. Go get your fix. New episodes Thursday mornings. That's a good shout out. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, you can't go wrong with a pumpkin spice latte. We love a PSL. If you are new to the podcast... Thanks so much for listening. You're joining an amazing group of passionate and conscientious listeners. The Health Science Podcast is dedicated to providing you with an objective and scientific approach to all the most pressing health topics today. We want to make you knowledgeable and health science research approachable. So today, big thanks to Mark Pampooch for the topic suggestion. Mark was interested in some of the health benefits or risks associated with certain exercise supplements. Um, now, I wanted to kind of get our feet wet first because there's a lot of people that just don't know what these supplements are. Right. Zach, you and I have been in the exercise scene for quite a long time. We've kind of seen and heard of most stuff that goes around. And obviously, my undergraduate being in, in kinesiology, we know all this stuff, uh, but a lot of people don't. So today's paper is going to introduce a supplement called creatine. Uh, creatine. Good old creatine. Um, so creatine is essentially an amino acid, uh, that's stored in the muscles, yep. which is a chemical that can hold on to energy. When we talk about exercise, one of the most important factors is being able to sustain that exercise, how fast you can create energy, how long, and this depends on the demands of the exercise, right? If we work really hard, we need a lot of energy and we need it fast, right? If we work really slow if we're doing a long distance, kind of more of a, maybe even a speed walk, lower energy over a long period of time, very different types of demands that are going to be put on someone's body. So creatine can essentially hold on to um, these energy molecules, we call them ATP, and release them really fast when we need it. And it's able to do this at a rate that can help sustain really short maximal bursts of exercises. And it's a molecule that's made naturally in the body. We all have it. Uh, but we can get more if we eat certain meat products. Um, and we can also produce it outside of the body and take that as an oral supplement, which I've done it before. I don't know if you've ever done creatine really. No, I've um, never had to use it. Lots of guys I know have done creatine. Um, but why would somebody take creatine as an exercise supplement? Um, well, studies have shown that creatine can do many things for gaining muscle and essentially it helps you grow faster. Yep. But how would a little molecule that holds on to energy help us grow faster. Like, how does that translate? It's like, okay, we might be able to run a little faster if we've got more energy, but how does it, how does it spur more muscle growth? So this is a simplified version for the sake of simplicity <laughs> because that's what it came to the health science podcast <laughs> for simplicity. <laughs> energy metabolism is really complex. Um, and it's all these little inputs and outputs and, and kind of how your body regulates different levels of uh, different molecules in the body, how it takes in energy, how it uses energy, all this kind of stuff. Yep. 
but essentially taking creatine um, as a supplement is supposed to increase the stores in our muscles. So you, you ingest it, a certain amount gets taken up by your body, goes into the muscles, um, and then when we need it for energy, this allows us to work out longer and harder. And when we have the energy to lift a little more or let's say get a few more reps out, we're able to work out more, right? We're able to work more. And the more we work, the more we can benefit through muscle growth, right? Yep. Um, but let's get back to the study now. So what did this study want to find out? Uh, they wanted to see if taking creatine while on an exercise regimen would change hormone balances in the body. And they wanted to see how creatine affected um, a specific type of exercise program known as overreaching. I actually hadn't heard about this before. I had to do some background research when I saw it in this paper. And I've never seen anyone do this. It seems kind of counterintuitive to everything that like you and I have done with regards to, you know, how you periodize your workouts. Like you're going to do all your push muscles. Let's say you do chest and tries and then you give it rest no. You do your other muscle groups and then, you know, what, maybe you do it on a week basis. Right. And then you do your chest and tries again. This is a lot different, actually. Um, and I'll, I'll get back to it. Uh, but it's a really neat workout uh, regimen that I haven't heard of before. So how creatine affects that and how it could possibly affect hormone balances. So they found 17 men who were familiar with resistance training. Average age of 20.7 years, still pretty young. Yep. Um, they randomized them into a placebo or a creatine group. So they can be taking, um, they said it was in the form of just like an oral pill. Um, now the stuff we've done or I've done, sorry, is powder. you actually just scoop it out of a little jar into the powder. You put that into your, your workout drink or some people take it before bed, um, different stuff like that. But this was a standardized amount, right? Which is important for research. You want to make sure everybody gets the same amount. And then the placebo was just essentially a sugar pill. It's just fake. You just take it. You, yep. you have no clue whether you're actually taking creatine or not. Um, and, and they were obviously going to be getting the effects. Now, they made sure they weren't on any other types of supplements or enhancers. Um, God forbid somebody was on anything else. <laughs> you know, they'd be lifting like crazy. And they got them to do a four-week training program. Um, and again, this training program is called Overreaching. Now, it's a type of exercise program that trains the same muscle groups with less than 24 hours of rest time between them. Oh, my God. So you essentially don't let your muscles heal from the previous exercise bout. Ow. Which seems wacky. <laughs> I know. And I don't know how you would. I'm sorry. I would struggle to do it myself. <laughs> but that. Um, you know, in, in the past, they've shown previous research that this exercise plan is been shown to actually decrease performance initially which you would kind of expect yeah followed by a substantial rebound effect that actually increases all your muscle power and strength so you have an initial lull but it seems like your body kind of eventually catches up right um which i don't know whether you'd want to do that initially like i, I can't see an, an advantage to that if the yeah. rebound effect was greater like you kind of you went down but then you know, you rebounded to a higher position um, with regards to your muscle power and strength. I could see that being beneficial, but, right. um, and you'll see what the effect of creatine has on it is actually really interesting. Now, the details of the exact days and workouts are kind of irrelevant here. Yep. Um, the offers describe that they monitor the workouts professionally, ensure everyone's putting in the maximal effort. They're all going to be doing the same. Um, and they also take the proper steps to limit the chances that 
people are eating significant amounts. They want to try to make it, it's called isocaloric. So everybody's the same caloric intake. Um, they're going to be eating essentially the same amount of calories per day. So everything else is, is controlled. They describe how they do that. Um, and the exercises they do are fairly simple. Like it's, it's compound stuff. Um, yeah. and for people who don't know what that is, it just involves a lot of muscle groups, squats. It's kind of like the, the creme de la creme of, of creme compound, creme. uh, exercises. It, it gets, you know, your lower back, you know, your shoulders, even a bit, your yep. legs, all that stuff. They've got shoulder press, bench press, kind of the bigger kind of muscle groups. Um, so what do they do for measurements? They tested muscle strength, muscle power, and muscle endurance. Now, this is something that uh, people won't be familiar with too, is, is the difference between strength and power. If someone's, strength, if someone's strong, that's different than someone being powerful. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah. These are words that are kind of used interchangeably. Um, now, muscle strength is how much you can lift, and power has to do with basically how fast you can lift it. Right. So if I had really strong legs, I could squat a lot. Right. But maybe I couldn't jump very high. If I had really powerful legs, I could jump very high, but maybe not squat as much. Right. Now, you have to be strong to be powerful in a sense, like you, yeah, to an extent. To an extent. Um, but it, it's, it's about how fast your muscles can contract. And that has to do with a lot of different stuff, um, you know, genetics being one of those. But muscle power is something that you can train. So yeah. they're measuring that strength and then. Um, endurance, which is how long you can sustain lifts for a long time, which makes sense. Right. Um, now again, the details of exactly how they did all these measurements. Um, so they have per particular protocols that would follow and a lot of these protocols actually have names to them. They'd say, you know, this person did this test and it measured their power and they measured it at certain increments. Um, we'll kind of skip the details cause that's needless here. Um, if you want to read it, obviously the references in the description, this might be something that you could follow as a workout uh, routine if you actually liked it. Now, they measured body composition as well. So they're going to look at body, water, bone density, fat content, lean muscle mass. Um, essentially, anything that you're made up of, they measured it. Yep. Um, so you know, you have certain diets or things might increase your body fat. Certain exercises might increase your lean muscle mass, which is um, the amount of muscle regardless of the fat on your body. So the other's did all these measurements. Um, and then they broke the results down into a very close amount of detail too, which is, <laughs> which I hate skipping over details, but like all this stuff is just, but like, again, that's so pretty fine. That's good though. You'd rather, have... well, we want to simplify it as much as possible. And again, if you think we're simplifying it too much, get the paper and read it. Um, it's a pretty good read. Um, but in general, this is kind of what happened. Okay. Uh, the creatine group either stayed the same at two weeks and gained at four weeks or got better at two weeks and then even better at four weeks. Meaning that yeah. the initial thing, and we, we said this earlier, was that in previous research, the overreaching protocol actually causes that decrease at first. Um, and they're assuming that that's around two weeks. And at the four-week period, they kind of are supposed to rebound. Yeah, so so the people that were on the creatine either got better at two weeks or they never experienced that decrease. Oh, okay. So they never had the decrease. So in this case, in this case, staying the same is actually a good thing because yeah. we were expecting them to go down. So there's no dip and then they increased that four weeks. Exactly. And, and the graphs are kind of neat. Like they compare obviously the placebo versus the creatine group and all the lines kind of start out parallel. And then the creatine group either doesn't go down at two weeks or they, it's just always kind of on an increasing trend. Right. Um, so yeah, the creatine was actually helped 
help to prevent that initial decline, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, the body composition stuff, lean muscle mass was greater in the creatine group, uh, meaning they gained muscle and not fat. Right. Uh, bone general, sorry, bone density and mineral content stayed the same, um, which we weren't really expecting that yeah. to change at all. Uh, and the creatine group had an increase in body water content. Now, there were some small changes in the hormones. So they measured things like cortisol. Cortisol is what everybody refers to as a stress hormone. Um, has a lot of metabolic effects in the body. And it can change depending on the workout routine that you're doing um, and how much you're stressing your body. Right? right. So I think when people say stress hormone, they think of like mental stress. Like, oh, I'm, I'm stressed about something. But when you're exercising, you're putting physical stress on your body. So yeah. it changes with both of those things, any type of stress. Right. Um, so we saw changes in those. Um, there were actually fluctuations in uh, blood, blood levels of testosterone, um, different stuff. But the changes in the hormones um, did not correlate at all with the performance measures or lean body mass measures. Um Meaning if the hormones were causing these changes, you'd hope to see them correlate nicely, right? So right. If, if I take creatine, say creatine increases cortisol and increases testosterone, those would then be in turn correlated with the increases in, in my ability to um, power my muscles. Uh, but there wasn't any correlation there. It really was kind of all over the place. You saw different changes. Yeah. Um, so the uh if the hormones again were responsible they'd correlate with the performance but they didn't um so that it appears from the results that hormone changes don't explain um any of the performance and body composition changes um in response to creatine supplementation um because i think the one thing with creatine that people maybe misunderstand is the the hormone stuff like how it's pretty easy to understand that if I take a supplement that holds energy in my muscles, I'd be able to work out harder. Cool. But how does it spur growth faster? You know, it could be a mix of different things. And again, the explanation we gave at the beginning is kind of the most um, well understood one is that, well, if I've got more energy, I can just work out more. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that that is the only thing. So looking yeah. at this, they thought, oh, well, maybe hormone changes could um, come as a result of creatine supplementation. And then that in turn, um, can reflect your body composition changes, but it doesn't appear that that is so, yeah. at least with this type of um, exercise program. Um, now, something that I wanted to point out too was the nature of these changes um, based on who this study was done on. Now, these were men that had already been involved in resistance training before. They knew what the heck they were doing. Yep. Um, and they would come into the study at least being mildly trained already. Right. Yeah. They weren't um, completely out of exercise. Now, a phenomenon that we talk a lot about in exercise physiology and exercise training in general um, is what type of adaptations we're getting when we work out. Now, when someone first starts exercising, say you're just brand new to exercise, any gains in your muscle power have very little to do with muscle strength for the first bit. And they have a lot to do with neurological adaptations. So these adaptations, when you start working out, are really fast. Within the few first few weeks of exercising, people can gain 20% or more in your muscle strength um, without actually gaining a single ounce of muscle mass. Um, which is interesting because people think, well, you got to have more muscle in order to lift more. Right. But this is actually interesting is your body's neural circuitry adapts first. 
So you have limitations right now. So say you do a bicep curl. Um, your muscles would get feedback. It send feedback to your brain that your muscles being stretched. It's being strained. I'm trying to lift something. Right. And you know what that feels like because you know what a weight feels like in your hand. When you start exercising and you've never exercised before, there's a certain limit. Your body will only let you lift so much. Right. I have no limit with my curls. <laughs> Other than Zach. <laughs> But the body doesn't let you lift a certain amount because it actually wants to avoid getting injured. Right, which makes sense. Um, so it has this ceiling effect, not because that is is how much you can lift maximally, but because any more than that would risk you getting hurt. Right. And then when you start exercising, the body goes, oh, crap, like I can lift that. Right. And then it actually will enable, when it gets used to the exercising, your brain will actually allow you to lift more weight. Yeah. Um, within your muscle capacity that you have. So there's yeah. no no gaining muscle mass. Your body just lets you lift more with yeah. that same mass. Well, it reminds me of that guy, remember, at Good Life, where me and you were, like, chest pressing. He just comes over. He's like, you guys can do more weight than that. He's like, you just have to do it. And yeah. Like, even if you fail, it's, like, it's funny because me and you thought he was crazy at the time because, like, we thought we were lifting heavy. But it is true in like a sense because like your your brain or your mind will like physically stop you from like lifting. Yeah. Like, like to stop. You know, like, you know, even think about after I hurt my chest and I did incline chest press, I physically cannot do anymore because my brain was like, nah, this dude ain't, don't want to yeah. get hurt again. No, and like I, I know too with, with um, fatigue is another big thing that you don't consciously be like, I'm going to take it easy. It's like you just get less out of your muscles. Your body just does that. And injuries... You know, it's a good point when you said you, um, with your shoulder, it's like, yeah, that wasn't something that you consciously were like, I mean, you were obviously like, you didn't want to re-injure it, but mm -hmm. it was your body being like, you're not lifting that much in that position. Like we're just not doing that right now. And injuries yeah. is a big thing too, because the amount of uh, feedback that you get from your, your pain receptors can also influence this process too. So that's right. a, that's a good thing to point out now because the study then people were already resistance trained. Um, it means that most of their increases in power and strength would actually be attributable to the muscle growth, to the lean muscle mass that they got. Right. Um, which is good because it's, it's, we don't want the study to be like, if you had novice exercisers and you just give them creatine, it's like, you're, you're not going to do anything different right. because most of those adaptations would be neural at the beginning and they're not going to be gaining any more muscle compared to the other group because um, your body hasn't got to that point where it's ready to stimulate the the muscle growth. Right. So one thing I would say, um, and you'll probably hear this from a lot of people who have knowledge with supplements, um, creatine can increase your ability to, to gain weight, to gain muscle mass, yep. but only if you're going full out, right? When you start working out, don't take creatine, right? The neural adaptations, you got to let them settle in first. Yep. If you're planning on just doing endurance exercise, cardio stuff, don't take creatine. Which is why I've never taken it. Creatine has a tendency to hold on to water and it brings it into your muscles. Um, it can make your muscles look a little bit bigger because you're you're more voluminous, yeah. which is kind of nice. Uh, but if you're like a runner or a cyclist, like you're just carrying more weight. Like yeah. there's no there's no point to that. Um, creatine's meant for seriously tough weightlifting applications. Um, and if done in the right way, it can help you a lot. Um, and one thing I was impressed with here was the ability of creatine to help get over that initial decrease in performance. Yeah. Um, and anyone that's exercised knows that 
most of your battle to gain muscle mass is not just exercising. It's, it's the recovery. It's, it's eating properly. It's, it's letting your muscles grow. Cause as you work out, you stress your muscles, you break them down and then they're rebuilt a little bit bigger every time. So yeah. you have to let them rebuild. And in this case, the creatine actually took a workout regimen that tried to, uh, not let you recover much and actually was able to let them recover right all right so it sped up that process um and that's very valuable um especially in the face of an exercise program that's designed <laughs> to, yeah. to limit recovery like it's periods. literally called overreaching like you're just trying to yeah like you're, you. you're trying to go more than what you can actually physically do um now moving forward uh i like mark's suggestions he has a, a few other that he sent to me now creatine really isn't known to have major side effects um, cause at the beginning we said we wanted to kind of look at some of the health benefits or maybe even drawbacks. Um, the only thing that it's, if it's taken for really long periods of time, like five years or more, um, it takes more energy for your, your liver and kidneys to filter them. Right. Um, when you ingest them, it can put a little bit more strain on it. So they don't suggest it if you've got, um, kidney disease. Um, but you'd have to take a lot of creatine to get to that point. Um, so for Mark, I know you'll be listening I will find another supplement uh, that's known to kind of have risks and we'll cover a paper on that. The only thing I would say is, I guess the only issue is if we know something has bad side effects from some observational studies, like we're not going to have any studies that purposely give people that supplement. Yeah. Right. It's not like, well, here's this blocker and this <laughs> hormone and all this stuff. Yeah. It's like, okay, sure. That's called unethical. So a lot of these studies will be less on kind of an analysis of methodology. And, you know, I mean, like, what are we testing? Um, it's just going to be probably observational, more factual stuff. Yep. Um, so it'll be kind of more of a review type paper, which is fine, um, but still great nonetheless. Still so great. that's all for today. Um, I can tell Zach is really excited uh, because he gets to see all you wonderful people over at the Fiscal Frisk. Fiscal Frisk. Zach's so good at this money stuff. I'm going to start referring it, referring to it as finances because he's fine. Music by Daniel Hughes. That's a stretch. References <laughs> in the contact in the description. So for Zach and I, stay happy and healthy. We'll see you next Thursday on the Health Science Health Podcast. Science